The use of defense mechanisms in our day-to-day life is very common. While most of us do use them, we do not realize that we're using them. And many of us don't even know the kind of defense mechanisms that we are using. On this episode of Yours Mentally, we learn about the different types of defense mechanisms in depth. This episode is in conversation with Jasmeet Kaur, who is a counseling psychologist. So without further ado, let's get right into the episode. So on today's episode, where we talk about defense mechanisms, Jasmeet, what are defense mechanisms and can you please name some common defense mechanisms that we use? For sure. So firstly, I'll just define what defense mechanisms are. So they are basically uh, very unconscious mechanisms of coping with a stressful situation. You know, it's basically like our mind is divided into like three parts, like conscious, subconscious Mm -hmm. and unconscious. So it kind of like, you know, stems from the unconscious of our unconscious part of our brain. And they just, you know, help us cope with reality, reality in a way that, uh, you know, if we have like a stressful situation, if we have like some difficult emotions that we're supposed to deal with. So that's exactly where the defense mechanisms come into play. And the most common ones are the ones that I've seen during my practice. I think they are denial, rationalization, displacement. Uh, There's a lot of sublimation as well, projection, repression, suppression. You know, I will be telling the difference, you know, once we kind of like go further. Right. Jasmeet, can you explain why do we use defense mechanisms? Of course. It's basically the aim here is to protect ourselves. You know, Mm -hmm. our brain's way of just, you know, protecting ourselves from all the emotional distress that a situation might have brought to us. You know, all the stress or the worry that a situation might have brought to us. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what happens, you know, when it's kind of like, you know, a brain doing its job. So it just finds one or the other way to do that. And again, you know, different people have like different defense mechanisms for sure. And, you know, different people can uh, have their own way of dealing with stress. There are a lot of people who, you know, when they, when they feel stressed or they feel angry or they feel frustrated, they go and listen to like very soothing, calming songs. You know, that's their way of coping with things. Not that it's a defense mechanism, per se but just their way of coping with things and there are some people who kind of like maybe just go for a run when they feel angry you know when they have that all that pent-up energy inside of them Mm -hmm. so it's the main aim again is to protect our own self Mm -hmm. and to protect to protect this our conscious self from all the emotional turmoil and the chaos that again a situation brings to us right so you spoke about how you know defense mechanism is our brain way of protecting ourselves right Mm -hmm. so do you think defense mechanisms are healthy strategies to cope with stress and if not can you tell our listeners a healthy way to cope with stress great so now i think defense mechanisms are basically you know they are categorized as healthy and unhealthy there are various mechanisms which are very healthy there are various mechanisms that are not healthy and so like you know very unhealthy mechanisms can can be like you know denial it that it can be rationalization it can be projection or acting out you know these are very unhealthy mechanisms and on the other hand we have very healthy mechanisms as well like sublimation we have humor if you have seen friends I'm sure everybody must have seen friends. So Chandler Bing, you know, that's exactly, uh, you know, he uses humor when he's stressed or he's in a very uncomfortable situation. He uses humor, right? So that's his way of dealing with things. And, you know, that's his defense mechanism. And then we also have compensation. We have affiliation. But the only thing here is that if a certain kind of, you know, mechanism is used as a long-term thing, you know, if that's like your go-to thing, obviously it's going to turn out to be very unhealthy as well in the long run. So if we keep up 
up with that same you know let's say you know denial is like the first unconscious defense mechanism that you engage in yeah. but if we keep on doing that for every situation every stressful situation that we're going through it's not going to help us in any way it's only going to harm us mm-hmm. you know because we're not dealing with the emotions that are that we're having with the particular situation and once if you're not dealing with it obviously then it's creating like a whole baggage it's like blowing air into a balloon you just blow the air you keep blowing you keep blowing and one day that bubble that balloon just bursts and everything just comes down tumbling you yeah. know and then we just literally cry for no reason at all we don't even know like why we cried for such a small thing you know mm-hmm. so that's exactly what happens when we you know use healthy or even unhealthy mechanisms for way too long so how we can cope with stress like more healthy ways of coping with stress are firstly to you know sit with that feeling and not run away from it you know but what we do is we use distraction also as a coping mechanism a lot many times you know we probably just go watch a tv series we go you know we listen to music or we go talk to somebody you know and don't talk about the problem we are talking about literally like randomest of things and so it's kind of like you know we are distracting ourselves at that particular time so it's rather better it's okay you know even that's like a great way of dealing with stress sometimes you know distracting yourselves but again it can't be like a go to thing permanently that you can't always distract yourself from that you know from a stressful situation so distracting can definitely work if it's a temporary thing for sure then another way of dealing with you know stress or your emotions is to basically again sit with them journal you know journal as much as possible whatever thoughts that come to your head and you know and try and identify emotions in fact i think another way of dealing with you know stress and emotion is to also identify it you know identify what you're feeling because sometimes even we don't even know what we are feeling at some point you know mm-hmm. so even identifying a particular emotion can be really really helpful which is for that you know probably you can use this thing called an emotions wheel by mm-hmm. robert plutchik and it's readily available on google if you google it mm-hmm. so what happens in that wheel is that there are seven primary emotions that we know of and like sad anger surprise disgust you know these are some things that we can name right mm-hmm. so they are further you know expanded into like other categories so sad has like you know other five categories of emotions under it anger has like other 10 categories of emotions under it so they can really help you identify your emotions as well you know of what you're feeling so even that is one way to deal with you know stress another thing is i think this is probably like a very cliche thing i think a lot of people might have heard it about about it also but breathing just practicing breathing exercises for that matter can really really help you cope with stress you know just taking like five breathers when you're feeling overwhelmed or when you're feeling worried when you're feeling anxious you know just taking five long deep breaths can really really help calm down so those are some healthy ways of dealing with stress right just me do people stay in denial consciously even though they know it may end up harming them later hmm. now that is a very uh, <laughs> i don't know if i should call it even a trick question or not but uh, <laughs> to be honest i think it's very it it just varies it just varies with people honestly you know there there are people who unconsciously are sustained denial like they are not aware of it but yes somewhere or the other you know if you have like people around you who can point out the reality to you that's great that can give you a lot of insight in yourself as well and can also break that a defense mechanism of, of always being in denial you know and this is something that you know again it's a very unconscious thing so you're not really aware of it as such but yes there are there are other people also who can stay in denial and choose to stay in denial even when they can see that you know this is what the reality is in front of them this is what it is even when their friends are kind of like you know pointing it out or their you know people who who care for them basically are pointing it out that oh you know this is the reality they still choose to stay in denial because again 
the brain's way of protecting itself so they are again they are the only thing that they doing is here probably they are consciously choosing to do that you know consciously choosing to protect themselves so again depends upon a person of you know how they deal with it and if they actually want to accept what the reality is even if they don't want to at some point or the other you know the reality again you know comes comes back to them and they have to like you know just work through it we can't always stay in denial anything like i mentioned you know any any mechanism that goes on for a longer period of time and always you know is like the go to thing for you can be harmful as well in the long run so just means you know life a lot of people go through failures right and mm-hmm. not everybody is brave enough or you know has the grit to sort of accept their failure and you know mm. to say to them that they have failed and that they need to sort of learn from it to move forward move from it to understand why mm. so what kind of defense mechanisms do you think we engage in after failure okay so the most common ones here i think again since we're talking about denial <laughs> that's the most common defense mechanism honestly for any situation be it failure in academics be it failure in relationships be it failure at work personal failures somewhere or the other you know denial is like the go to thing for a lot of people so it's the most common one another one is rationalizing so what we do is we kind of like you know rationalize our failure there probably let's say you know hamara kismat hi kharab thi Mm-hmm. you know rationalize and they put like the external you know they put blame on like external factors oh meri dost ne mujhe us din call kar liya tha which is why i wasn't able to study Yeah. <laughs> so that's exactly what we do here you know we start rationalizing and start blaming like external factors for our failures so that's rationalizing another thing i think is sometimes you know overcompensation so this i would like to like you know differentiate here a little bit that compensation is also a very healthy mechan- form of mechanism like a very mm-hmm. healthy defense mechanism but there's a very thin line between like compensation and like overcompensation so what we do here is that if you're uh, compensation is more of a conscious thing that yes you are aware of of a weakness that you have but you're willing to work on it through some other way you know let's say if i am uh, you know bad at academics and i know i'm bad at academics what i do is i basically you know strive for sports i do well in sports but overcompensating can also look like that you know we we don't deal with the academic vela weakness at all probably denial can also come here that oh i don't need to study to like get into a college mm-hmm. or you know and then they were basically you know, just concentrate everything on their you know on their sports so it can look something like that there's a very thin line between like compensating and like overcompensating so yeah compensate again mentioning the difference again that compensation is more about you know a conscious thing that you are aware of your weakness but mm-hmm. you are willing to work with it for it and also work through it in a different manner but overcompensation can look like that we don't really like give into our weakness like we lo- we know it like behind of our you know it's kind of like there in our mind but we're not really like readily accepting it consciously but we are just striving for the other thing completely so that's something so these are the most common ones i think you know when when somebody like experiences failure in their life so it's denial rationalization or overcompensation right just me which defense mechanism is least effective and sort of harms us more in the long run to be honest again i think i'll just mention that you know whatever if if it's an unhealthy mechanism and it is being used for a very very long time it can be very unhealthy very very unhealthy but i think the most harmful i think can be repression Yeah, so repression yeah. yeah so repression is basically you know consciously like you know avoiding dealing with like thoughts you know mm-hmm. if you have like a certain kind of a let's say a negative thought what happens is that we are constantly you know telling ourselves oh we don't need to think about it we don't need to think about it we don't need to think about it push mm-hmm. it away push it away push it away and mm-hmm. then 
follow other defense mechanisms like distraction and then denial and all of those things right mm-hmm. so i think in my opinion the most harmful one is repression because again you know you're like it can also lead to like toxic positivity in some way in a way that you know oh i just have to think like happy thoughts i just have to think positive i just have to do this i just have to feel happy i don't have to feel like negative emotions at all so it can somewhere also lead it can be like a gateway for like mm-hmm. toxic positivity also repression is kind of like again you know if i'll just you know explain it with a little example that let's say you know aman i'm aman i'm telling you to not think about an apple so what's the first thing that you think about an apple yeah exactly <laughs> right yeah. so that's exactly what happens when you're stopping yourself from thinking about it that you're eventually thinking about it so why not give yourself that space to actually think about it you know and remove that constant pressure also that you're putting on yourself of not thinking about a certain thing give yourself some time give yourself like 15 20 minutes think about whatever you're thinking about mm-hmm. and then finally you'll eventually run out of thoughts to even th- think about that particular topic you know yeah. that's what happens once you yeah. allow yourself to do that once you allow that safe space so yeah i think in my opinion repression i think is the most harmful yeah also yeah, i feel like if you are finding it difficult to sit with your thoughts even therapy is a good option you know if you have the definitely facility. for sure and to be honest i think you know there are a lot of very affordable mediums now who are not charging you know more than like 500 per session which is like super super economical so that's something that you know that can be looked into as well like if you want to go to therapy and even if chalo you know let's say you're not really ready for therapy as such you know because that's like the first requirement of therapy that the person mm. needs to be willing to come to it i think it's you know just sitting with your thoughts you know letting them come to you for a minute or two can mm-hmm. also help in reducing that pressure that you're creating on on you and if you feel like you want to deal with these thoughts again in a more safer space in a more and go into like into self introspection and a little about self awareness then yes therapy can definitely definitely help definitely you know doing it with a professional who will help you you know just organize your thoughts in a better manner <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah. Just me. Do you think Freudian slips are truly our unconscious thoughts, or <clears throat> are they just coincident, coincidental slips of tongue? <laughs> okay. So this has been like the Freudian slips are basically a concept given by Sigmund Freud, who was a psychoanalyst, and he, according to him, they were unconscious bits of our mind coming out. You know, <laughs> but that's not really true. in today's day and age it's kind of like just this like i'll just give you a little example here again that you know just because we've all been there i think that you know we might have even called our teacher instead of ma'am we might have even called them mom or ma yeah. you know we've all been there <laughs> i think yeah. so <laughs> so it doesn't mean that you know you look at her as your mom or is there something similar to your mom or it's it's not that it's just probably you know the child transitioning from a place of you know starting school or just a transitioning stage where probably he's just he or she is just you know missing that warmth you know nothing else it's it's not that it has to mean something all the time you know there can be just slip of tongues uh, slip of tongue and nothing else and um, yeah again you know it just if you're sitting like uh, again also somewhere all the other i think the context here also matters like if you're kind of like you know sitting in therapy and if you are talking about something very very stressful or something like that and if like a slip of tongue happens there so probably it can be a good idea to just inquire about it you know but ki like does this mean anything to you or anything of that sort but other than that i think in in the day to day life they're just probably just coincidental slips of tongue and nothing else not everything means everything <laughs> yes so just speak my last question to you is which is probably very relevant to a lot of kids my generation 
what kind of defense mechanisms do we engage in after a breakup like a romantic relationship break okay so i would more likely put it as a process rather than just you know engaging in like defense mechanisms because mm-hmm. obviously like you know breaking up is a huge deal you know it's kind of like a loss of a person you know a loss of a significant person from your life you know or an end of a relationship which is which is which can be very very traumatizing and very heartbreaking for a lot of people and again you know depending on the kind of how your you know how much your emotions were involved and you know how long the relationship was and you know all of these factors obviously like matter so it can be like a very very serious thing for a lot of people and uh, i think i would rather say that we kind of like go through a process rather than just having defense mechanisms here it's like you know there can be like more than three or four defense mechanisms working at you know at that particular time you know when you're when you're going through a breakup so it's kind of like you know i'll i'll talk about like five stages of grief here because that's exactly what you're feeling at that particular time you're feeling grief and uh, you know we are grieving over the end of a relationship when we break up with somebody mm-hmm. so there are five stages that everybody goes through which is firstly denial then we have anger then depression bargaining and then finally comes acceptance so it's not really like a linear linear process that oh denial comes first and then anger comes second and then third and then fourth and so on you know it's not really like that again very subjective depends upon person to person there are some people who might even skip the anger stage there are some people who might even skip the depression stage there are some people who might not go through the bargaining stage at all so that's how this process of like grieving goes and i think again you know if you're talking about specifically like defense mechanisms then yes i think the first stage itself which is denial can last for a very long time for a lot of people that they don't believe that the person has gone you know that they don't believe that the relationship has ended and they kind of like you know just make themselves believe sometimes that you know no 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 it'll it'll be okay it'll be okay it'll happen you know we'll we'll get back together you know it's okay you know for the longest period of times and again there's no particular timeline for it that oh denial you know lasts for this many time you know this much time or our anger lasts for this much time it just depends on like honestly people some people don't even go through the denial stage altogether you know they probably just get angry and then finally comes the acceptance that oh finally yeah it's over so yeah i think that's that's about that's what it is and again you know different people have their ways of dealing with stress and uh, you know different people have their own defense mechanisms so a lot of defense mechanisms can come into play here as well distraction or rationalizing or uh, you know again repression consciously like telling yourself oh we don't have to think about that person we don't have to think about that person and then we move on to like distracting ourselves from it so that's how these things actually work right so it's quite a good episode i feel like a lot to learn for myself like i have studied this in my theory books in my 12th grade but not so much in detail and mm-hmm. you know not like obviously there were examples but i feel like you explained it much more in detail so a lot to learn from myself and i'm sure for people listening as well So thank you Jasmeet for being with us. Thank you so much Aman for having me here. It was a uh, pleasure. And to everyone who's listening, thank you for listening and I'll see you guys in the next episode.